You are listening to the Become a Guitarist Today podcast with Adam Roach. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 186 with my guest today, returning guest from episode number 111, Tom Newman from the band Sinner and also Primal Fear. So last time Tom was on the podcast, we were talking about these Primal Fear album, Metal Commando. So in today's podcast, we talk about the, the Sinner album, which is out July 15th, and the album is called Brotherhood. Now the opening track you are hearing is from the new album, and it's called Bulletproof. And again, thank you to my sponsors, Custom Guitar Picks, Arnold Krakowka, and Musician. So all their links are in the show notes, they've got some great deals on at the moment, so make sure you check them out. So let's go all the way over to Germany with my interview with Tom Newman. Yeah, actually, I had you back in the podcast in July 2020. I had yourself and uh, Matt. Oh, okay. We were talking about... Okay, a um, long time ago, huh? Yeah, back, yeah, two years ago, we were talking about Metal Commando. Yeah, got, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. The fun part is like, Metal Commando was one of our most successful successful Prime Fear albums. Oh, really? But... But I did not play one song live. Oh, well. Because, yeah, we were not allowed to go on tour oh, yeah. to play shows but with the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because I was listening back to our interview and we're, that's when, you know, it was, all, it was all just happening. And, like, we're both discussing, like, you know, how long do we think it's going to be? And, you know, yeah, I don't think we expected two years. <laughs> that was a fucking long time. I said, okay, maybe we have a pandemic, like, for... Uh, two weeks, three weeks, or stuff like that. Yeah. But now it goes on for like, okay, now now we can play festivals and shows right now, but we don't know what will happen in September, October, if the pandemic will come back or not. And um, yeah, yeah. I hope everything will be fine and we can still continue to tour and play shows. Yeah, well, hopefully that's it. So, so what's it like now in uh, Germany? Because you're in Germany, aren't you? Yeah, sure. So we had a yeah, it's pretty it's pretty cool so far. So I I was um, I was at the Rammstein show and uh, I I saw Jews Priest and Iron Ma- Iron Maiden will play some stuff and we are doing a festival with Prime of Fear okay. uh, at the Summer Breeze Festival, which is a pretty large festival. I'm not sure, like forty thousand or sixty thousand people there. Wow. And yeah, uh, we're looking forward to play some shows to play more shows, but. As I told you, we need to we need to wait, and and um, hopefully the pandemic will not come back as heavy as um, everybody is telling us, and we can continue playing shows. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, how about with uh, the new album by Sinner? You're going to be doing some tours with that. Um, there are talks about doing the tour, but um, right now in in Germany or in Europe, it's like everybody is on tour right now. Yeah, and. All the technic guys, you know, like when the pandemic started, they were all of a sudden they were out of business. They don't have any jobs anymore. So a lot of the good guys they changed their job and they are not available anymore. And <clears throat> everybody needs some guys doing the backline stuff or doing lights or doing sound. And yeah, it's um, it's like um, yeah, everybody got more expensive because they are more more needed right now. So we got expensive backliners, light guys, sound guys. Then we need a nightliner. They increase their prices as well. So it's pretty tough. And so we need to have a real good look 
on all the expenses that it makes sense of doing a tour because I don't want to come back home playing 12 shows and being totally broke. Yeah. So it has to make sense in a financial way. So there are talks, but uh, it's nothing confirmed yet. And um, yeah, I would love to go on tour, to be honest, but um, it has to it has to make sense because it would not be good to 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 release an album, go on tour, and go back and be totally bankrupt. Yeah, for sure, that makes sense. But um, I mean, this album I, I had listened to it all yesterday. It's just it's fantastic. Every song on it. You know, just, oh, thank you very much. Love all That's of cool. Them. I'd say one of my favorites would have to be "Reach Out," just because I love just the riffs. It reminds me of like a. I say Aussie with you know like shot in the dark type era, Jackie Lee. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, the the thing was as, as we started to 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 think about writing a new album, so we we discussed what kind of music we would like to do. Yep. And then we go back in the history of Sinner, and then we went to the '90s where we released albums like Bottom Line, Judgment Day, Nature of Evil, which were pretty heavy. For Sinner. And then we said, yeah, let's do an album like with a vibe and feeling of the 90s, but put it into 2022. Mm. And we, we tried to do that. And yeah, it's like um, an old riff. It could be like Red or Aussie or stuff like that. And mm. we just fooled around with some ideas, with some riff and stuff, and go like, yeah, that's, that's a great idea. Make something out out of it, and then go like, okay. Then we started writing everything around it, and yeah. But I think there are a lot of good and strong songs on the album. Like I could not mention a special one because I really like them all. I think there's not only one one weak song on it, but it's like um, it's my personal point of view because uh, I've. I wrote a lot of songs and uh, I recorded most of the songs. So I think like an outside person will have a, a different look because if you like Reach Out, maybe you're not into 40 Days, 40 Night or whatever. Mm. But I think the album itself, like the 11 tracks, great songs on it. And yeah, it sounds, I think the album sounds great. It does, for sure. Like I said, every song, like, I mean, that's just one of my favorites, but they're, they're all great. But the thing I like about that one is you, you got solos as well because... I think it's got the like the dueling solo, isn't it, with you and Rolf? Then then into the harmonized solo. Uh, it, it, it's uh, not Rolf. It's Alex. Alex and me. Oh, sorry, Alex. Alex. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's 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 not Prime Nephew. Oh, good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but maybe next time, maybe we do an album with Sinner, and then we do doubly and Ralph singing the <laughs> harmony melodies too. That would be awesome. So, yeah, it's, um, yeah, Alex. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. No, like when. when I think I wrote like nine nine songs on the album together with Matt and Alex wrote two songs. And when you're in the studio, you start like you, you record a song and then you play all the solo stuff and you come up with some melody lines, twin lines. But when we were in the studio, we, we discussed that we are doing it like 50-50 because not because I wrote nine songs and he was only able to to write two songs because he, he got a, a, a diff, um, difficult time schedule. That I play solos on nine songs and he only plays solos on two songs. So I want to have it equal. And so we just got which could play this one and who can play that solo. And so it was like, yeah, it was like an equal decision. Yeah. And yeah. I think that, that that's a good thing about this band because we're not like egoistic musicians. So when we have to 
split or share something. We are really cool and, and totally relaxed when it comes to that. Yeah, but I think it's a great contrast you guys have, you and Alex, between your, your playing and then you come in with the harmony. So I notice, so a lot of the songs, is it like Alex, you, then harmony? I always, when, when, when I start writing the songs, I always thought that it would be great to have like Alex doing something, me doing something, then we do something together or... Yep. He started something, we're doing something together, and then I play stuff like that. So I composed the, 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 all the, the lead stuff I composed, always in mind that we could share something together. Okay. And then uh, as we entered the studio, so norm normally nowadays, so like you record an album, mostly you record the album at home, you sit alone and you play your parts. Yep. This time we decided that Alex and I, we are going into a studio together for like three or four days, and then we start recording our solos together. Okay. And then when he played some stuff, I have a listen go like, maybe you can play it like this or that. And if I play some stuff, he goes like, yep, yeah, that's a, pick a different note than that. And then when we played all the, the, the harmony parts and so it like, it was really a productive and creative time, but we also had a lot of laughter and it was such relaxed situations in, in the studio. And it was like a, hel a really healthy competition because you want to be better than him and he wants to be better than you. But um, in the end, we just helped us to get better because I helped him. He helped me a lot. And so we did all this twin stuff together and it was really a healthy, healthy uh, competition. And um, yeah, it was really good for the band yeah. and for the recording. Yeah, oh, for sure. So who, who picks the, uh, the harmonies or you just both do it by yourselves? Because I noticed there's a lot of different harmonies in your guitar playing as well. It wasn't just your, you know, your typical yeah, little Yeah, mostly when when it's it's much easier when you're in the studio that uh, when you come up with a with a melody line, and then it's much easier because when you play the stuff, then you know instantly the the the, the harmony to it, yep. and it's much easier than playing it by one guy than showing the other guy what it has to play yeah. because. I, I do a band over here and he's not doing the band over here, but I know that there has to be a band. So it's much easier if you have like double twin duties to do that yep. you in the studio play it by, by yourself or only one guy plays it. Yeah, uh, Life is different for sure, but in the studio it's, it's, it's much more effective and um, it does not cost that much time when you play it by yourself or if Alex plays the harmony by himself. So mm. there was... No, no, no point in discussing it, and there was no like, it was a normal thing to do for us. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. But yeah, talking about harmony, so you got your first opener, um, bulletproof, which comes straight in with the harmony guitars. What a way to open the album! Yeah. <laughs> so here yeah, we go. I think, <laughs> yeah, like we we are <clears throat> Matt and I were huge Lizzie fans, and and Lizzie influenced my playing a lot, and. Um, so we, we have a lot of uh, Thelissi influence in our songs, mm. especially when it comes to twin leads playing. And um, yeah, why not starting an album with one of our trademarks? That's it, yeah, for sure. So, easy as that. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> no, that's a yeah, great song. Um, the other one I really liked was Refuse to Surrender. It's just, a, just the riff you guys got in that and you're, you're playing. Uh, the other thing I like about this album too, like with your guitar playing, I mean, you got the harmonies, but you also got your different riffs. So it's not as if you're both playing the same thing. So if you're playing something, he's doing something completely different and vice versa, which works really well. Yeah. 
yeah it was like um yeah it was like um i recorded my stuff like i don't know how many tracks i needed for the rhythm guitars i think it was like four or eight tracks yeah. for for the for the for the guitars and sometimes i really have like different sounds and then I play here something different than on the other side, just to make it more interesting for the listeners. About it, it wouldn't have made sense if I would play like eight tracks and everything is played the same way. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> so, so and, and sometimes it, it, it's really fun. You're like playing something and then playing something different over there. Then when you combine it, it just makes sense. Mm. That's really cool. And and um, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun when, especially when when you're at home in your studio. You know, like when when you rent the studio then you have like two weeks time or three weeks time because every day costs a lot of money but when you're when you're sitting at home and you're you're finished with the guitar lessons at seven o'clock in the evening and you go like it's a shitty weather i don't go in the beer garden today so i'll do some recording stuff and then you sit there and then you record like for three or four or five hours maybe and it's such a fun but you have time to to check something out to 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 do this and to do that and do that i know so i deleted and I, I tried something different and that's that was a lot of fun to do like also like recording songs with different kind of guitars and all this stuff if you have the time just go for it and do it and yeah and and when it comes to the riffing it was like sometimes it was like pure fun because um like reach out was um we got we got asked by Jon Lande, the singer. Do you know Jon Lande? And because he, he he did a solo album, or he was doing a solo album, and he we got asked if we would like to write a song for him. Then then I came up with this riff idea, and then Matt goes like, "That's a great song. We should keep it by ourselves." So that's that's the one thing. Then we did um, Forty Days, Forty Nights. So we were on tour a couple of years ago with a band called the unity and um, i met this the guitar player stefan and we became good or close friends and he called me and said i got an idea for a song but i don't think that it would fit for my own band the unity but maybe it could fit for sinner can i send you the, the idea and then he did send the idea and i had to listen and the song was really like really slow and more like a blues vibe into it and I go like I'm not really sure but it has something and then I did send it to Matt and Matt is like yeah it's not we could not use it like that but try something mm. and then I was sitting down and it was like what can I do and then we start like okay I will speed it up a little bit and then I will make the the, the, the melody more more yeah more fluid and all that stuff mm. And then when you got the, the, the idea, then you got the vibe, then the rest was pretty easy to write. We were like, okay, we have this, we have that. And okay, we will keep this part from that from, from, from Stefan and we will do this something new. And it was pretty easy to, 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 to connect his idea to our idea and to finish the song. And uh, I got a friend who said... Uh, do you know this band called, I, I can't remember the name, like an American band who is doing like really this slow stuff. And they're like, yeah, I know this band. How about writing a riff like that? And then I came up with the riff for Refuse to Surrender. Uh, 
And so, like, you get a lot of ideas and you got influenced by a lot of stuff and then you just mix it and then you throw it out and make your own riff out of it. Yeah, that's awesome. But talking about the different guitars, there was one song, I'll see if I can find it in my notes here. I was going to ask you, what, what did you play? Um, oh, Gravity. The guitar. Gravity. gravity. I think gravity, gravity was played by Alex Scholl, but he's using a Black Star M and ESP guitars. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm the Kemper guy in the meantime. I play a lot of Kemper because I really like that shit. Yeah. And he's still using real amps, and he was in the studio with his Black Star amp, and he has his own ESP version, and he played it definitely with ESP and Black Star. Yeah, because that song, that's like a, it's an epic song. There's different parts involved. Yeah, yeah. just goes, takes uh, you different places. <laughs> that's a good track, yeah. It I is. Really, I really like, there's no really outstanding song on that album because I like them all, because every song has his the special quality. And it's, uh, yeah, it's it's a really, really good all over, all over the place album. Yeah. So who wrote the orchestrated parts? So when we uh, started writing The Last Generation, for example, I had the, the idea to bring in some orchestral part because we did it in the 90s as well. And I go like, okay, I have an idea. I'm not really good. Like I have two fingers on my programming machine and I'm not really good in programming orchestral parts, but I have a melody in mind and I played it with my guitar. And then I started like, it took hours to put some orchestral parts together. But I had a really good friend in Switzerland and he helped me out. And then we created something getting bigger than that, than what I had. And um, we knew the band Camelot for a long time because we played a lot of festivals together and we shared the same hotel bars together. And the keyboard player, Oliver Palata, he's a German guy. Okay. And um, he just lives like 25 kilometers away from my hometown. So, so I called him and said, hey, what are you doing right now? Goes, yeah, I have a job over here and a job over there. And yeah, but it's pretty tough because it's no more live playing at the moment. And then I asked him if he would like to play real orchestral parts on, on our album. And, and he agreed. And then he came up with, uh, with the ideas. And like, he's really a master in doing all the orchestral parts stuff. And I had my, my vision. And I did send the, my guitar parts to him with a small effort of orchestral part. And it, it should sound like this, but only way, way, way bigger. And then he came up with the, his first idea and I was totally blown away because then what I've heard was the same thing that I had on my mind. Yeah. So he really was like, wow, was amazing. And so we did the same with uh, the man they couldn't hang. So I got this idea of putting some orchestral stuff and he's an absolute fantastic guy when it comes to this orchestral parts thing. Yeah, I actually had that written down here for the, yeah, the man that couldn't hang. It's, a, it's like a, a rock opera, I guess, <laughs> the way it come about. Yeah, it's really, yeah, but I think it's like, it started with like double bass with this heavy riff. Da, 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 da. And um, yeah, and then we came up like, okay, why not an orchestral part in the middle? Because nobody expected that. Yeah. And I think because nobody expected it, it's it's cool because it's like 
you play a song which is heavy, and in the middle you have this orchestral part, then it goes back into the solo. It would not, I think, the song could have been boring if you know, like, play all the time the double bass stuff, and then you go like the solo, and then you go like into the chorus again in the song is out. I think the middle part is really, really important for that song. Oh, it's it, more interesting. Yeah. And the song, oh, going back to Gravity, the um, the female vocal on that one, because I know you do have a lot of guests on this album as well. Yeah. Uh, it who, was like Gio Colleluori. It's a, it's a Italian girl, and um, she sang on our last album as well. She was a band member on the last album. She was with us on tour. Uh, but, like, the pandemic came, and... Um, so everybody needed to survive somehow. And so she has her own band called It's a Lie. And so uh, as we started to record our album, she had started recording with her band. And so um, time schedule doesn't make it happen to record more stuff yeah. on the album. But on the last album, she was she sang like five or six songs. Okay. But this time, because of the time schedule, it was not, it was not possible to sing more than that. Yeah, but what a voice, though. I mean, on that song, it's incredible. Yeah, she's great. She's really young. I think she's 23, 24 years oh, old. Wow. And um, she's also singing, have you ever heard of Rock Meets Classic? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And she's also singing with us in Rock Meets Classic. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and she's a really, she's a beautiful girl. She's really funny, really nice. And I think she's like 23, 20, in the 20s. Wow. Well, I just got one last question for you, if that's all right. Um, Sure. So I noticed uh, for Sinner, this is what, the 18th record? Is that right? 18th album? Yes. And then yes, 18th Primal, album. Wow. And then Primal Fear, um, how many was it? 10? I can't remember now. 12? I don't know. Yeah. That's, a lot, many, of, many. that's a lot of albums. <laughs> yeah, we, we, could check on, we could check on Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, so how do you come up with all these riffs? Do you, like, you just, you must be very... Oh yeah, but like the, the, the approach writing for those bands is different. Like Primal Fear is more like the power metal band with the double bass and fast songs. Yeah. And we have this uh, heavy metal siren, Ralph Shapers up front. And so you know exactly how to write songs that fits for this band. Mm. When it comes to writing for Sinner, it's more like a different approach because Matt is more like the blues guy and we're more like Thin Lizzy. Yep. influence so the double bass stuff is not that fast and um yeah and there are more like three twin lead guitars parts in it that sound more like silly so but when you when you when you write songs you know like you're in a certain period of your time when you start writing songs and so you got a lot of ideas and you got you are influenced by your in, environment you know, like what happens to your friend? What happens in your life? What happens in your family? What happens in the world? And you have a lot of influences. And then you sit down and start writing your riffs. Mm. And probably if, okay, nothing bad happened, but um, I, I had the feeling and we got the pandemic. We wanted to make a heavier album. So I started playing this heavy stuff. But maybe if something very, very positive happened, like, my baby was born and stuff like that. Probably yeah. I, I would not have been in the mood to write like those heavy riffs. I would be more like writing more funny or, or, or happy stuff then. Yeah. So always, and it's just, you know, the fun part is like, it's a special period of your time. Like the next Cinema album will probably in two or three years. Hmm. And then when you come up 
yeah, we will need to do some some stuff like on the like on the last album, Michael. Like, okay, but it's another period in my life, so it's it's really could be totally different then. So yeah. we need to wait and see. Yeah, no, that's really cool. But no, the album, like I said, it's a great album. So I really wish you the best with it. Thank you very much. No problem. And hopefully we'll see you down here in Australia with either Primal Fear or Sinner or both. Ah, yeah. But like the last time we played uh, Sydney and Melbourne, Sinner and Primal Fear. Oh, was that it? Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we played we played Japan and then we went to um, Australia. We played Melbourne and and Sydney. And the fun part was when we played Melbourne. So we were on tour with Hammerfall and Primal Fear in 1998. Yep. And there was a Australian band supporting us called Pegasus. Oh, yeah. And um, oh, yeah. yeah, and yeah. Um, Johnny Sawyer was the guitar player. And so we were in Melbourne 2018, and I just wrote him, Hey, Johnny, I'm in your hometown. How about showing up tonight, watching the Prime of Fear show, and having some beers afterwards at the, some, some pub? And he agreed, and he answered, he like, Oh, you're here, mate. That's great. Can I bring my my, my brother as well? Because he was a drummer. He goes like, sure, go ahead. And so we met after 20 years. Oh, wow. And it was like, wow, there you are. I'm just waiting for you like for 20 years right now. But yeah, great <laughs> to have you back. And then we hang out in, uh, in some some English pub, Irish pub called, I think, The Elephant or so. I can't yeah. remember. Elephant Wilbarrow. Uh, yeah, it could be like on the corner. Yeah, yeah. And there's like, uh, there's like the musical school of rock. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Yeah, we were we, we, we on the opposite side of the of the of the pub. There was our hotel. Okay. Uh-huh. So and so we hang out at the Elephant, and it was really really nice. And he told us a a lot of stories. And then we made this other guy called James Agatis, I think he's also an Australian fan. And um, yeah, it was great. I love to be in Melbourne. I, I love the place, yeah. and especially all the all those paintings with Choose Priest and ACDC on the wall, and then. We had a long walk and it was really, really good. And it was, yeah, I would love to come back one day. Yeah, well, hopefully next year. I hope so. It would be great, yeah. But thanks very much, Tom. I really appreciate it again. Now, stay safe and sane and celebrate life. We'll do. <laughs> you too. Yeah. Hope right. to see you next year. That would be awesome. Yeah, for sure. We'll have we'll some kind of Okay, see All you. Right. Bye bye. Bye bye.